Unlock the full potential with your business with Leadershipity. Our proven strategies have fueled growth for countless organizations. Ready to elevate your leadership and scale your success? Book your free 15-minute consultation now. Click the link in the show notes below and let's make your business soar. Here's Coach Prime talking about his son who stands to make potentially $10 million in NIL valuation here. And, you know, I think he's got to real think hard about why he wants to go to the NFL and start making money and get hit by a lot bigger and faster people than he's already getting hit by big, fast people, right? <laughs> now they're more experienced and they're the best of the best. Right. So we know the uh, longevity of that league is under two years. So, you know, staying at university and playing another few years at five to $10 million of NIL earnings seems like a pretty good option, if you ask me. Welcome to NIL for You. The podcast, it's all about NIL and the education. It's, you know, there's so many things going on in the world of NIL that we're going to cover, but a lot of it, though, is about education. And I'm Rob Finkelstein. I am the founder of CEO of Alumni Direct, where we've created a platform to help alumni network and connect through their affinity groups, uh, kind of gearing in on athletes, especially. I also have a, another podcast. It's called Athletes, Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey. We talk to athletes, uh, former collegiate professional athletes, about their transition out of sports. And it's all about teaching inspired athletes about life after sports. And I think this is kind of what we're trying to do too, is teach and inspire uh, about the NIL world. And no better than my co-host, who's an expert in this uh, space, Trent Clark. Hey, Rob Finkelstein. It's great to be here. I am always excited to talk some shop on NIL, man. The world's going fast. Uh, The education is high. And man, just combining my two favorite things, athletics and entrepreneurship for sure. So super excited about this show today. I am the CEO of Athletic Influencer Marketing and Leadershipity, two firms that do a lot of consulting for top performers. And we provide a lot of education. I also coached a long time in professional baseball, coaching in three World Series. And so been down this racket a little bit before for branding and uh, customer service and support and creating ROI and value. Rob, I think that's what I'd love to see the kids and families get. This is an environment of earned, never given. And if you're going to be in the NIL and make some money and some space, you're going to have to earn it and you're going to have to work for it. And I think a lot of these kids just think, hey, I'm going to show up and hey, these collectives are going to give me a big check and blah, blah, blah. And I just don't think that's the reality. And unfortunately, we're going to talk a little later on this. I think the media is part to blame. So let's jump into that a little bit later. And uh, where where are we starting today, Rob? Talk to me about that. Uh, I think we're going to get into the headlines. And I think there's some uh, some interesting things out there. And uh, a lot of the stuff is all timely. So let's uh, get to the first one. Uh, how NIL money made Michigan's football program even stronger. Ooh, yeah. Love that. Love that. And this is an interesting thing to me, being a Michigan guy, and a lot of NIL companies are based in Michigan. I recall having a conversation with some folks around the program who felt like last fall they were behind. Last summer, they were they were behind 
the, the deal. And they really worked hard. And I think at the time, Michigan's comparing themselves to Ohio State. And Ohio State sounds like they had a three or four year plan for seeing that the NCAA was going to approve this. And they were really proactive with it. They had a group on campus with them that was already designing some things for the NIL world. And so it sounds like Ohio State really came out the gate just doing a lot of things and really active. And of course, they've got a great program and great athletics. So it makes a lot of sense, as well as fabulous support in their fan base. So it's impressive. But when you look at Michigan's comeback of where they've gone in NIL, I mean, I don't think you look much further than than this cover of Blake Corum, who has just done a great job in the NIL. I mean, he's a, he's a kid who's been an absolute poster child for Michigan football. And it just sounds like you couldn't have a better young man represent your organization than this guy. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at him, you're right. I think it's, uh, as we get into some of these different uh, things in the NIL world, it's, um, I guess, the popular athletes, um, you know, uh, just that really make an impression. And I think with that, uh, there's companies that uh, want to, you know, latch on to that. And you, you mentioned about Michigan have a lot of companies. I mean, one that just popped in my head is uh, is uh, Kellogg's. I mean, have, have you seen uh, anything going on with Kellogg's in this space and maybe specifically with Michigan? Yeah, big, big, my hometown team, my hometown company right there. I'm a Battle Creek, Michigan guy. I don't know if Kellogg's has got in on the NIL space. I am not super familiar with that, whether they have jumped in because they have a lot of like college products, right? I mean, cereal is common, but the Pop-Tart is the go-to, right? And Kellogg's has also got into healthy bars and different things that they're trying to do and uh, Special K, heart health. They have always been around uh, health and dynamics. In fact, the Kellogg Sanitarium was built on health. So they started as this really health initiative. So you can imagine it's a great marriage of uh, health and wellness and cereal and fitness for these college athletes. And I'm not familiar with how deep Kellogg's has gotten into this yet or not, but it seems like a pretty good marriage to me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see Tony Tiger with some of these uh, with some of these athletes in NIL. I mean, it's kind of like they're in their backyard. I mean, it'd be like uh, being in uh, Coca Cola and being in Atlanta and just yeah. you know, working with the schools there in their backyard. So uh, let's hit the next topic. Yeah, before we do that, uh, one quick thing that I thought was really interesting about this is that you know when you look at in this article, they go on to talk a little bit about the offensive line. Right. And, the, and this big valuation. And while the offensive line isn't always the most marketable people for brand deals and things like that, it was a very interesting dive in the NFL valuation for how important these these skilled positions are up front. And it almost made it feel like running backs were a commodity that we can replace with another fast guy. And, and that was a really interesting deal to me because as they talked to this kid named Keegan on U of M's program, I mean, he's a $250,000 to $500,000 earner a year, which is a really nice little small company, if you ask me. I mean, he, he is he's fully engrossed in the entrepreneurship aspect of this. And it sounds like if he's got an NFL career, it puts him way ahead of the game that whatever happens after playing, he's probably getting pretty well set to transition into whatever he needs based on some of the moves he's made. 
Yeah, and that that's key. I and mean, we talk a lot about athletes transition out of sports, and you know how that's a, a real challenge with a lot of them. But you're right. I think this whole deal with somebody like him in NIL, it just um, you brought it up. I mean, they're entrepreneurs, and if they get that skill set, that once they are done with the game, they can parlay that into um, you know getting jobs or, or businesses, and, and then even the people that they may have NIL deals with when they were in college might be reaching out to them. Yeah, I mean. It's a, it's a huge value add, right, in the whole game. And so it's pretty crazy to see this thing. Let's jump into this one. Can you see this one, Rob? Because I love this, this article in, in particular about the LSU program really gets me jazzed up, right? I mean, this is one of these things that's just like, whoa, man, they get me excited about what's going on in the women's game and certainly have been excited about LSU and their brand right here with two stars of Angel Reese and Olivia Dunn. Yeah, I'll tell you what, they're paving the way. You know, they're, they're paving the way for other female athletes. And, you know, we know that it's a, an issue with a lot of these uh, female athletes. You know, once they're done playing college, they don't have the same luxuries that a lot of the male athletes have. You know, think about NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. So, um, these two are, are doing some amazing things. And I think it's, you know, to your point, it's also uh, helping their program. It's, it's helping LSU's program, but I think it's helping female athletes as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just without a doubt, it's uh, this, this cover shot is uh, so impressive to me um, of these two, these LSU girls. I saw where Angel Reese finished number two after March Madness of all of March Madness. The women's game was the highest recognized television rating of all time in the NCAA Final Four. And Olivia Dunn just continues to drive millions of followers, millions of brand brand dollars of awareness. And I mean, she is she has such influence that every time something happens in LSU, in any of the sports, it's let's hear what Olivia's got to say about it. And so it's really impactful to see this, these athletes. And while I think Angel Reese is one of the top players in the country, no knock on Olivia Dunn, who is a nice college athlete who's competing clearly at the varsity level. She is not the number one gymnast at LSU, and she is certainly not the top 10 gymnast in the country. So this isn't about her necessarily skill sets at the top where we see some of that in this NIL breakout on who's the best athlete, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it just shows you, I mean, back to what we said before about people being popular, you know, yeah. talking about the, the mission guy and just, uh, you know, her, it's, the popularity definitely helps, but it's good that it's paving the way for others in the program. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, let's jump into this next one, and let's stay with the female athlete. This one is about 1926 Collective, which you brought to my attention and I was really impressed with this one. So walk me through this one. Yeah, so this 1926 collective, uh, it's it's based on a particular college, right? It's a Division three sports, and they signed an NIL deal. Uh, was it um, Center College, I believe? Yep. yep. Yeah, so Center yeah, College. Right. And, and you see that, you know, the, this first deal is is signed here. Um, you see the, the athlete up front there, and she's with the whole, uh, you know, her parents and other people that are part of this collective. And, and I to me, reading it, uh, this one was specifically for Center College, but it seems like something that this whole 1926 collective could be something that might go around to other schools. Uh, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, I think this is an interesting thing to me because when you think about a collective, it almost feels as if it's a fundraiser, right? This is a fundraiser. We want to give these girls some opportunities to work on some brands and be involved in local community. I mean, to me, this is win, win, win all over the place. Like when these young ladies and athletes get a bunch of skill sets, when they've got a little bit more money to walk around, to help pay for education, to, to, uh, you know, it's hard to have a job when you're a full-time athlete. And so they can supplement some of the costs. And then of course the brands involved with these collectives are such a win. So when I think about these fundraising capabilities of all these parents that have been doing this through youth sports forever, I think it's a, I think it's like the fundraising on steroids to start a collective, but I don't know if it's any different. No, you're right. It's funny. I, I kind of think back to uh, when I was coaching travel baseball, and you're right. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, that parents, um, you know, try to raise money. So you're right. It, it is kind of on steroids. And I, I guess the thing that kind of catches my attention too that it's a Division three school. So it just shows you that NIL isn't just about the top athletes and the top uh, programs in the country. It's resonating down to the different uh, levels, Division two, Division three sports. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Yeah, I think that's a big deal. You know, over at uh, the AIM Academy, we have a campaign talking about any athlete, any sport, at any level can make up to $1,000 or more in NIL a month. And we're promoting that monthly recurring revenue. And this is the reality. Like there are friends of your parents that own businesses and their local communities in your hometown that have businesses that would like to support you. And in turn, you support their products. And there's now new brands and companies and alumni and support at the university town where you go. Because often we don't go to school in the same town we grow up in. And that's a whole nother audience. But I think this is back to these kids got to be willing to hustle for it. And it's out there. It's out there at all the levels. Yeah, and, and it's exciting too. I mean, I, you know, like some of the things that you're doing, you talk about the whole education side, just getting um, you know, entrepreneurial one-on-one, right? I mean, these, these athletes are, are getting a, a great learning experience and something they can uh, take on afterwards. Oh, for sure. I mean, all the skill sets that are just involved in learning on that process. I just think that is amazing. And so it's part of the big opportunity to learn taxes and, you know, customer service and sales and brand management. But let's jump into this one. Yeah, NIL violations will leave high school athletes ineligible under new PIAA policy. And you know, in reading into this one, it's it's interesting because we've had a lot of sidebar conversations about you know where we're at with high school NIL and like what states and all that. So, tell us a little more about um, you know your read on this whole thing. Well, the interesting thing is like the the states that have not approved high school NIL offerings and opportunities are now in the minority. So now the majority of the states have approved that high school kids can make money on their name, image, likeness as well. There's probably going to be a lot less uh, governance at the high school level because I can't imagine they've got the bandwidth at athletic departments and everything else to manage this. But here's here's an interesting thing in Pennsylvania where they did probably two things that are really significant in this policy. One is there will be no collectives at the high school level. 
I think that's probably pretty important because all of a sudden, I think this is parent fundraising run amok, right? <laughs> Where we build a bunch of brand and we start getting kids to move over to our district or come play for our team for a bunch of money. And I think that could get dark. Two is that they're putting some level of governance around, hey, if these athletes are going to embark on things outside the boundaries, and let's talk what's outside the boundary. Starting before you have approval, promoting alcohol or drugs, you know, promoting things inside your team uniform that's not directly related to your name, image, and likenesses, but of an organization you're involved with. You know, those are kind of a easily, easily low hanging fruit infraction, right? And they're putting some governance around, like, hey, if you're going to play that game, once you have a certain level, two, three, whatever they decide in the final, and right now I think their initial promo is that that's three, three right. strikes you're out, you are deemed ineligible for college. So I think that's putting some teeth into it. I don't know if it's still good, but it's it's putting teeth. Yeah, that that's a strong deterrent. I think if you got a star athlete and and they get that strike three, and then they can't play college ball, it's uh and again, I think that's part of the whole education side of it. I mean, I think just uh, these kids and these parents and coaches need to understand that. And I think, um, you know, so putting, you know, regulations like it, it would be interesting to see if this is something that transports against uh, across other states, because this was a I think this was a Pennsylvania initiative only. Right. Yeah, this was this was PIAA. So that's I think Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletics. Right. Yeah. That's their deal. So it's a it's an interesting position that they took on this thing. And and I think, you know, obviously with a couple years now under their belt to over two years now, you know, we're, we're starting to see some thoughtful process around it. And, and right. we're probably still not tight. It's still going to just narrow down closer and closer. But, you know, what I think is impressive, Rob, as much people said, Oh, NIL is going to kill college sports. Boy, Saturdays are filled. Stadiums are filled. Uh, college football's never been better. Uh, prime time, Coach Prime, and and the Sanders boys are making millions, and everybody's tuning in. And I'm telling you, it doesn't feel like this thing's hurt too much. What's your view? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, this is just something that's going to continue to grow, and it's good that they're looking to put you know some types of regulation. I mean, a lot of times you talk about NAL, and people say the wild, wild west, and I think it's a it's a learning experience. Yeah, I go back and I've talked to some of these players on my other podcasts. We talk about NIL and I ask them what their opinion is. And, you know, if you think back to some of the old days, like some of the, there was the boosters. And I yeah. think that was the time of NIL back then. It wasn't NIL, but it was the boosters kind of probably yeah. kind of similar to what they're doing today. It's just somewhat more legalized. But I think it's important that we, uh, you know, we seek governance like this um, just to, to help make it a better system. So I think NIL can be great for a lot of these athletes. Um, it's just making sure that things aren't done the wrong way. And then also that the education is out there for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's, what's going to come slowly, right? We, we start these things and we don't have good education around it. We don't have good things in place. And so, you know, we're going to play a little catch up on that and that's all right. I mean, I think that that's not a terrible thing. You know, these things are not life threatening, which is great. And I, I do not see this as the wild, wild west. I, I like to kind of pin it as the gold rush, 
right? Where there's a lot of things like, let's go west and we're going to find gold. And, you know, every, everyone's <laughs> saying there's tons of gold in them mountains, you know, and like, well, let's measure tons, right? And I think that some of these headlines are just that. They're like, oh, I don't know if you know or not, but, you know, in those North Mountains up there, there's uh, $3 million NIL money. And I'm like, is that true? And I think we're, we're starting to realize there's some false narratives out there. There's a lot of headline grabbing things that are being said. But, um, but you know, I think, I think coming back to this first article we started on, and I want to pivot this to you, Rob, is, you know, Blake Corum has made a lot of money in his NIL, but man, that guy's done a lot of good. And you and I, we've got some affiliation with SPN, the Sports Philanthropy Network. And you've got some great stuff that you always pick off with uh, some of the athletes that are doing things from the good. You want to jump into that a little bit? Yeah, I I think it's important that, um, and when we talk about NIL for good, uh, there's an organization that, you know, Trent mentioned, SPN Sports Philanthropy Network, and they're doing a lot of things. in helping communities to be more healthy, inclusive, uh, and working with organizations uh, through sports. And so uh, Caleb Braddon um, has been gracious to share with us some of the different um, athletes in talking about what they would do with their money in NIL for good. I think this is really important uh, today that, uh, you know, we're hearing all these things about big contracts and stuff like that, or not contracts, but big agreements on the NIL. Uh, it's good to hear about athletes uh, coming back. So each week we cover this. Uh, we'll also cover some live stories as well. But uh, first one here I'd like to share uh, is uh, coming up here is uh, Sean James. And he's going to talk a little about uh, what he thinks would be great to do with his uh, money and I'll forget. My name is Sean James and I play basketball at Tulane University. But I'm originally from Sugar Hill, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. I want to use my NIL to serve the children in the New Orleans area and the greater Louisiana area. I'm passionate about working with kids and making sure that they get the guidance and the leadership and the opportunities they rightly deserve. I've got a platform that I really want to do right by and truly serve my community because my community is greater than me. My purpose is greater than me, and I'm excited for the opportunity to provide however I can. Yeah, I, I love that, Rob. Like, I love Sion, how he takes a position. First of all, you just talked about the two communities, right? I'm an Atlanta kid. Just outside, growing up in, what was it, Sugar Hill? I can't remember what he said, Sugar or something there. And then he goes down to University of Tulane, right in the middle of New Orleans. And, man, he's seeing, these kids are these kids are growing up hard, man. This is a low socioeconomic area. I, I'd love to see these kids get more, and I can help. And what a great heart for what's going on in his community, awareness. Man, I love this kid already. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's great. And like you said, I think it's it's interesting. It's like, you know, they're, they're from one area, you know, again, talking from the Atlanta area and then, you know, giving back in the community where school is, uh, which is fantastic. So uh, uh, the next one that we want to cover here, Bridget uh, Basir, and uh, she goes to South Carolina and plays soccer there. So let, let's hear her story. Hi, my name is Bridget Bustier. I play women's soccer at the University of South Carolina, and I'm from Monroe Township, New Jersey. I would love to use NIL to bring soccer balls to children in underdeveloped countries because I want them to have the same opportunities that I have had growing up just to be able to play the sport. I would love to have camps in those countries, be able to teach them things that I know and just give them the same opportunities that I've had growing up. Awesome. Right. I mean, I really like this, you know, uh, I, I was down in South America during the world cup that was held in Brazil. 
And it was a very interesting trip. I was going on a mission trip down to Ecuador. And on my plane out of Miami into Ecuador was the national Ecuadorian team. Right. So that was a pretty cool experience for me and my 10 year old son. He was like, because the at that time, the fastest man in FIFA was a player on Ecuador's team. And so my son got a picture with him. It was really cool. And as we toured the country of Ecuador, these kids don't have shoes, they don't have clothes. But man, somehow those kids find their way into an Ecuador national jersey, right? Like they get that, but they can't afford a ball. And and so it's a it's a sport where 15, 16 kids can run up to your local grass park at the school or in city center, and one ball can can feed, you know, a game among 16 kids, go get active. And man, you know, here's a young lady who really recognizes. Here's another two communities. I grew up over here in Jersey. Now I'm down here in Gamecock country, down in South Carolina. Beautiful. I think it's Columbia, right? Or Columbus. Yes. or Colum- yep. And then, boom. And she's like, man, these kids, you know, they would love to play and have the coaching and the teaching and the blessings that I've had to be this college player. And, uh, and, and I, that's just near and dear to my heart as I've watched our U.S. national team you know, basically be a powerhouse on the national stage, which is in part a lot to do with these young ladies at the collegiate level, Title IX, the training, the resources that these colleges have provided these young ladies to get them better. They have been, you know, front and center on the world stage in this game. And it's just really cool for a woman and a young lady like this to recognize what an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, there's a lot of need, uh, you know, we talk about other countries and that what she's talking about here, but I mean, there's a lot of need here in the U S as well. I mean, just sure. think about, you know, whether it's soccer balls or just other equipment. I mean, there's kids that can't play. I was talking to one organization, uh, actually we had a, a showcase with uh, SBN and they give different equipment to, uh, Latin American countries. I mean, Puerto Rico is one, uh, Colombia was another one, but there's challenges of getting that stuff over too. So it's, it's not only getting the equipment, you know, getting it to be donated or whatever, but then getting it to these other countries. So uh, it's great what she's doing. Shout out to Monroe Township is I grew up the next town over from there. Did so you really? With Eric. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And look at you. And you're a guy too, right? Hey, I grew up in Jersey, right? Yep. And then you go off to Delaware, become a blue hen, right? That's and right. So, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, track guy in college. I mean, this is another example of, hey, two very different cultures, environments. Uh, and yet, you know, both these things are great for you, right? I mean, you enjoy your yeah. hometown, you enjoy growing up, and then you go meet these great people from Delaware who are just supportive of the school and and what a town that uh, just comes behind these kids and the programs and what the school offers both to the city itself as well as the support that the city gives these schools and the facilities. So it's just a really cool environment to see someone, you know, step out on a limb and say, hey, it's not all about me. Yeah, absolutely. And so we can encourage each week, like I said, we, we want to cover NIL for good. It's it's important. And, uh, you know, we want to see more and more athletes talk about doing this. And I, you know, it's, it's, this is the NIL space, but I mean, I, I'll tell you what, these kids can definitely give a lesson to some of the uh, older players and stuff that, you know, they're not in college. I mean, maybe they're professional athletes and all that, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that need help and it's, it's great to see these kids having that mentality. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, here's, here's two young athletes here that are not 
prime big five athletes of the country, right? These are not the, the these two people that you just showcased, great individuals who were not on the super 25 blue chip report, right? Of where they're yeah. going to go and who's all coming to them. These are young men and women who have worked their tail off and earned a position at a strong college and, and a big, and, and, and South Carolina is a pretty big program. They are a power yeah. five conference, but yeah. And they are contributing at their university. They're contributing as students. They're contributing as humans. And now they're contributing in the NIL space. And, and I just think that's what I think it should be about. And let's pivot this a little bit, <laughs> Rob, because, you know, for me, this is my challenge is that I'm frustrated that the headlines are about the 8,000 of the 570,000 kids that appear, and I don't know the truth, it appears this is kind of pay to play. Collectives are taking care of these kids at, at, at big college football programs, big college basketball programs. And so there's a few and a very small percentage who might fall into that category. As, as you kind of mentioned, the boosters <laughs> before <laughs> have always kind of fallen in that category. Like you might be a prime for a booster to get you uh, taken care of over here. Right. <laughs> and what's your feeling on that when there's 570,000 college athletes and, and the headlines only focus on the 8,000. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things going on. I, th I think that, the opportunities for these kids to, uh, you see these different programs where somebody gets an NIL deal or maybe one of these collective deals where it's spread out across the whole team. So, you know, like you said, we're hearing these stories about these 8,000 kids out of, you know, 570,000, but there's so many different opportunities uh, in this NIL space for these different, you know, whether it's, maybe it's not the big sports, maybe it's not football or you know, basketball, maybe it's baseball, maybe it's soccer, maybe it's field hockey, maybe it's lacrosse, but I think it's it's good, and people need to know that there are other people benefiting from NIL, and not only are they benefiting, but like we like we've talked about throughout the show is the education they're getting. You know, you've talked about it on our prior shows about how it's business one hundred and one or entrepreneur one hundred and one, where these kids are learning, you know, how to start a small business and, and the things that they need to do with it, paying taxes and other things like that. And I know that's a lot of what what your company's all about, and you know, the AMAN NIL Academy talking about that stuff and educating. So I think people need to realize it's not just these top athletes and making $2 million and all the stars out there that there are a lot of other athletes that are benefiting from this. Yeah. And, I, and, and this isn't headlines. This isn't headlines of the young lady at a division school, division two school who's supporting a nice little eight to $10 million company. And they pay her $500 a month to promote this organization on her social, maybe make an appearance, you know, maybe have a brand ambassador, you know, some type of thing there. But $500 a month is six grand. Like that's real money, right? I mean, you know, all of a sudden you've got someone who's got four of those a year and this thing looks like you've got literally, you're going to have, you know, $24,000 a year. And that's just insane to me that these levels of earnings can be made. And, and there's factors with that, that these kids have to consider when a young athlete comes back in and makes 24, 30, $50,000, we're going to run into the challenge of, Hey, you may not qualify for financial aid any longer. You may run into the issues of how is this going to look on taxation? Cause a lot of people get that $40,000 
spend $38,000. And when tax time comes and you owe about 25% of that, and you may owe $10,000 in taxes on this, like we have to consider the fact of how that's going to look. And these kids got to be aware of what's an actual earning on tax and what's a write-off on that $40,000 that is part of your job and part of your role. So it's a slope of education that I think kids are getting one way or the other, and hopefully they're getting out in front of it and not being challenged by getting caught on the backside of it. Because I think that will be the travesty when that thing really starts going bad and you see kids leaving school because they don't have money left anymore because they didn't manage their NIL very well or didn't manage the taxation very well and or have legal issues over this NIL and and issues that are going on that from contractual or anything else. So with that, I mean it's uh it, there's a lot of things to this that are that are pretty interesting. Yeah, so th- this last area that we want to cover and this is something that keeps coming up is that there's a lot of these former stud athletes who their kids are are playing and getting these great NIL deals. And I mean, I, I guess trend is, I mean, can we call it nepotism? Is it that their kids are that good or they're just, you know, smart business people that the, that their famous parents are helping them out? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. And I think this is, this is part of my blame Rob on the media, right? Like, you know, stories sell, they're in the business of selling papers. So Man, every time I turn around, it's another big deal with a former NBA or a rapper's son or somebody who's a big name who's got it. I mean, Bronny James is taking, he's a good player playing in the Pac-10, Pac-12, and he's a nice player. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's he's taking millions in apparently on NIL and Shaq's son is also very popular. And now we got Carmelo Anthony and his and his wife, Lala, is an actress. So he's got, it sounds like a cool deal. Now, I, I don't even know where his son plays at in college ball. So it's this interesting thing of this dynamic of the fame and fortune thing and kind of coming back to popularity. What have you seen there? No, you're right. I mean, it's just uh, obviously ha- having that famous parent uh, definitely helps. I mean, and it, it, I'm sure it goes on for years. It's um, you talk to different people uh, as as an athlete. If the athlete was a star athlete, they're gonna people are gonna pay attention to their kids. And yeah. as their kids grow up and they start playing sports, and you know, in some cases, the, the kids end up being better than their parents. You know, they're better than their right. dads or their moms. Uh, other cases, they're not. And I think it's um, not that there's anything wrong with it either. I mean, it, it's uh, I think you know these kids should take advantage of the opportunities to have their parents doing that. But you're right. I mean, you look at, like you said, you haven't even really heard of where Keon's playing. And that's an interesting dynamic because there's a lot of other star athletes out there that you have heard of, or maybe you haven't heard of, but you've heard of them through their, their college programs. And now you have somebody here that you don't really know where he plays, but you know, he's got famous parents. Yeah. No, it's, it's such an interesting deal, right? It's, um, where where is this thing going to? What's the next level? Maybe Keon's uh yeah, he's a four-star prospect in the 2025 recruiting class. Uh, so wherever okay. so he's, he's at, you know, he's in he's in New York. So he can take this as a high school athlete. He's in Middle Village, Long Island, Lutheran. So he's a high school kid. He's scheduled uh Florida State, Memphis, Syracuse, 
Uh, that's where his father played Providence, Tennessee, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Maryland, more. So he's clearly going to be uh, a pretty high level player and class of 2025. So that means he's probably like 16, maybe 17 now. So right. it's, a, it's an interesting deal as these athletes, but it's also interesting for me on the brand, the PSD underwear and you know, they've got some big names with Bronny, with the Cavender twins, with John Morant, Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, Marshawn Lynch. Man, I mean, this is kind of the who's who. And so this kid at 16 has got to feel pretty good about getting in with that kind of company. Uh, no doubt. He, he's in a great position. And, you know, I, I, I thought crossed my mind as we're talking about these famous people and, you know, Arch Manning. You know, I mean, talk about like him and, just that whole journey through high school and everybody wanted them. And just every year they're talking about, you know, what school is going to get him. Uh, so I mean, w- what's your thoughts on how he's doing now? And is, is he seeing uh, NIL money? Well, I'm sure that, you know, his, well, I guess his two uncles, right? His two yeah. uncles have created a full media company. So my guess is he's going to continue to leverage the company and the family name which have become just synonymous with this ESPN and Peyton's place and Eli's house. And they've got all these real media. I mean, these two have just wrangled it up to just be fabulous. And obviously Arch is, uh, you know, named after his grandfather, Archie and, and really a nice high school quarterback. When I think he cleared $2 million in high school and NIL as well. Wow. And so now he's at the university of Texas, which is well known as the NIL capital of volume <laughs> as far as dollars. <laughs> So there is a lot to probably go. I mean, if he ends up the starter at Texas, I mean, here's Coach Prime talking about his son who stands to make potentially $10 million in NIL valuation here. And, you know, I think he's got to real think hard about why he wants to go to the NFL and start making money and get hit by a lot bigger and faster people than he's already getting hit by big, fast people, right? now. They're more experienced and they're the best of the best. Right. So we know the uh, longevity of that league is under two years. So, you know, staying at university and playing another few years at five to $10 million of NIL earnings seems like a pretty good option. If you ask me. Yeah, no doubt. And you're right. I mean, the, the, from a health perspective and everything else, it's uh, if they are fortunate to have that opportunity, but, but again, I think somebody like Kimmy's played his whole life. He's, He's seen his uncle be successful and his, and his grandfather. And, you know, unfortunately, I guess his dad had some injuries, so he, he didn't get to uh, do the big stage like the, uh, the uncles. But, uh, you know, I think they might, someone like Kim will probably play it out. But you're right. I mean, the opportunities are there. And, you know, I mean, we were talking earlier, too, about TB12. I mean, all the stuff he's got going on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. Yep. Yeah, he's supporting Sanders out in Colorado. That's one of his NIL guys. And so... Interesting that Tom Brady, who's such an influencer and understands this NIL and brand management, is jumping right in. And uh, that's that's an intriguing thing to me. Going to keep a close eye on that, kind of like a couple of weeks ago when we talked about keeping a close eye on our Stanford New Balance contract, right? When at a Nike yeah. school, about how that plays out with their star female basketball player. And these are interesting things to track as we go. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be doing that each week. And, I, you know, that, that would be a good one. If, that's a good follow-up for us to uh, when the uh, basketball season starts to see if you know, is she wearing New Balance or is she wearing Nike? Yeah, well, that would be an interesting thing. So, you know, make, make sure that you uh, tune in each week. And uh, like we've said before, this is something that we want to share 
not only the stories, but but more about the education, how we can help people out, and and uh, definitely um, you know reach out to Trent and his company because I think uh, you know AIM NIL Academy is something that can really help starting at that high school level, kind of what they're gearing into. Yeah, thank you, Rob. So excited for everybody joining us on the NIL for You show. Always trying to bring good content, good uh, background. Obviously, with Rob from Alumni Direct, we're coming at this thing from a lot of different angles from your experience of these athletes that have now gone on. They're transitioning to fabulous careers. And uh, man, it's just uh, incredible. And the networking and the influence uh, becoming much more smaller world. And so really cool to watch the value kind of play out on this thing and the value proposition. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, look forward to seeing you all next time. And uh, everybody have a great night.